0: Welcome to Punk Rock Personal Development, a podcast about getting your shit together and creating a life you love. I'm your host, Sarah Stars, and every week I speak to inspiring badasses about the nitty gritty of how they live with passion and purpose. My guests and I might embrace a bit of woo woo every now and again, but we also get really honest about what it takes to grapple with your demons, transform your life, truly accept yourself, and strike out in the direction of your dreams. Because personal development only works if you do. That's what's so punk rock about it. Hello, and welcome to Punk Rock Personal Development, Episode 13. You can access all of the show notes for this episode at Sarah Stars, That's S-T-A-R-S, sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 13 This week I shared a really vulnerable post on my blog about a difficult friendship that I had that ended several years ago. Even though I felt like I'd closed that door, feelings of anger and resentment continued to follow me around. In the post, I talk about how I realized that forgiveness didn't mean condoning the other person's actions, rather it was a gift to myself that it would allow me to let go and move on without that heavy baggage. But learning how to actually begin the process of forgiveness took some time. Eventually, I learned two powerful practices that have helped me to make forgiveness a tangible concept in my life. You can go to sarahstars.com to read that post and to download the two free meditations I created to walk you through those practices. They've been making my life better, and I hope they'll do the same for you if there's someone you're looking to forgive. Okay, so today I'm chatting with Sally Hope, who is a renegade life coach and the leader of the Wild Heart Revolution. Sally is a force to be reckoned with. In this episode, we talk about the journey that led her to becoming a literal rock star right after college and how that ultimately led her to becoming a life coach. She's packed up her life to work from the beach in Costa Rica Traveled across America in an RV performing random acts of kindness, and is now living in Montana. She shares her process for choosing her next adventure, and offers advice for starting a meditation practice, living more authentically, and explains why her motorcycle has been her biggest spiritual teacher so far. Not only does Sally have an inspiring story, but there's a lot of really practical content to dig into. I will warn you that, as Sally mentions at one point, she lives in a house with a tin roof and it was raining when we recorded this episode, so there is a bit of background noise and it affected our Skype connection a little bit. We've done our best to edit this out and improve the audio quality, but if it does sound a bit funky at times, just know that it only lasts for a second or two and it's definitely worth sticking through it for Sally's amazing insights. Hey Sally, how are you today? Hey girl, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm really good, thanks. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for
1: having me. I was excited to hear from you.
0: Amazing. And uh, so for people who haven't met you yet or haven't seen you online, can you tell us a bit about who you are and what you're all about?
1: Sure. So, um, wow, what a fun question, what I'm all about. Uh, I'm Sally Hope. You can find me at sallyhope.com and I am a renegade life coach. I call myself a renegade because I don't do things the way a lot of people do them or the way that um, the norm and I'm doing air quotes, not that you can see them or anything. (laughs) Um, I just do things my own way and especially... um, The thing that I'm up to now is the wild heart revolution. So I'm a renegade life coach. I am a leader of the wild heart revolution, which to me is a revolution where people are living the lives that they truly want to be living and not lives that they think they should be living or that their friends or family or peers think they should be living. And in a nutshell, girl, that's who I am. So I know that you've had quite the varied career
0: path and that there's a pretty amazing story about how you literally became a rock star after graduating college. Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I didn't know what I wanted to do after college and um, everybody that I knew was getting uh, going into grad school and getting jobs and I felt really behind in that way because I I just didn't I didn't want to do that. I wasn't ready for that yet. I wasn't wanting to go into my career at that point, but what I really wanted to do was have fun. And I wanted to um, I said to myself, I remember sitting in my room one day and I'm like, you know it would be really cool. I want to bartend in like the coolest bar in town. I want to work in like a boutique where I can have like dreadlocks and facial piercings and loud music playing and I want to be in a band. And so basically, I mean, it's kind of a long story and I don't know how much time we have, but basically this one day I just, um, I was at work and I went out the door and I always, always turned left outside of the door to go to the same restaurant every day, ordered the same thing every day. And this one day I was just like, you know what, I'm going to go right. I've never ever turned right. And I don't even know what's down that side of the street, even though I've worked here for like two years, I turned right. And everything fell into place from there. I saw this store that was bumping DJ music that they were hiring. And then one of the girls that worked there was um, quitting the bartending job at the coolest bar in town. And the girl that I worked with at that boutique um, was a drummer in a band and they were looking for care. So basically, I just made one choice to go right instead of left, got into a band and did that for a while and then got recruited to be in a different band in L.A., And that's when things really started kicking up. Um, I think within my first two months of being in that band, we were opening for Bon Jovi in an arena. Um, We played these huge festivals. We toured and it was just a total. I mean, this is, of course, a Cliff Notes version, but it was a really wild, fun experience. Okay. So given how
0: all of that fell into place, I mean, you thought about these three things that you really wanted that were kind of connected and kind of not. So, you know, given all those synchronicities, I'd love to know what are your beliefs about manifestation and the law of attraction?
1: Um, I, I absolutely believe that if you can envision something and you make choices that are in alignment with that vision, that you can create anything. So I know that this topic can be really sticky for people because it's like, well, I've envisioned and I've journaled and it's not happening. Um, there's a tricky part of this, which is the part where you just kind of let it go. So what happened was I said, you know, I wanted to, being in a band would be really cool or working in a bar would be cool, but I wasn't like frantically like going out and being like, oh my God, if I don't get banned, I'm going to be such a loser. And oh my God, like what's going to happen? I was just kind of like, you know, it'd be cool this. And that was pretty much it. Like, I, I don't even think I like went on Craigslist to try to find a band or anything like that. I think I just kind of said that would be really cool. And I kept thinking about how cool I thought it would be. And then I started just making some choices. Like going right instead of left is such an easy choice. I didn't know at the time that that was going to lead to these three things that I had said I wanted. But I just tried something different. And I think that that's where people forget to do the things you know they think that if you just want it bad enough or if you do a vision board enough that it'll just show up but you also have to bring your own self to the table and make those choices that will put you in the positions to get the thing that you want
0: yes absolutely and in our pre-show chat you mentioned a little bit about your philosophy around three important C's I was wondering if you could break that down for us
1: yeah. So the question that you would ask me was um, what what I would like to talk about in terms of um, manifestation or self love or really anything that you want your life in. I started riffing on um, what turned into the three C's, which I hadn't actually put it together like that before. But basically, this is how I view anything. If you want something anything like a a relationship or a different body or a better business or more money or, you know, to live in a new town or something like that. Um, I think the very first step of that is that you have to understand that it's a choice. Like you have to first choose the thing. You have to say, I want this. And then you have to commit to it because just saying like what I was saying before is like putting a vision board is one thing. But if you just put the vision board and just leave it there and you're like, why isn't it showing up? Well, you have to commit to getting it. So I'm going to use the gym as an example because it's a really easy one. But like a lot of times people say, you know, I'm not happy with my body. (laughs) I'm just, you know, and there's a lot that can go into that. It can be like part of it is, you know, we need to love ourselves no matter what our bodies are looking like, um, no matter what is happening, no matter who we are. But another side of this is, is let's say you want six pack abs. That's something you want for whatever reason. Let's say you want it. Well, okay. The choice is I want six pack abs and the commitment needs to be, I'm going to do what it takes to get six, to get six pack abs. And what that looks like is, you know, you're going to have to work out. You're going to have to sweat. You're going to have to change your patterns. You're going to have to wake up earlier to get to the gym. You're going to have to make it work. Um, and in order to keep doing that and to bust through all of these things that happen, all the fears, all the I can't do it, all the it's not going to happen for me, you need courage. So anytime I think that we have these times in our lives where we want change or we want something to happen, we can't really do it without, any, without all of those three C's being in place. You need to choose the thing. You need to commit to it. Then you need to have the courage to keep going, even when you're like, this is annoying, I don't want to wake up early, this sucks, or in business, I hear this all the time when I coach clients in business is, you know, it's too hard, or people aren't reading my things, or nobody cares, or I don't know about, you know, all the (laughs) email marketing or whatever it is, you know, all of those things are going to show up, you need to have the courage to continue to go even when the things get hard even when you don't want to wake up early
0: I love that and I love how you know you have this process that obviously you've walked people through and how typing it out somehow led to the three c's because that sums it up in such a fantastic way
1: yeah thanks thanks for the question because it allowed me to like say it even more clearly than I had before Okay. So backing up a little bit, you
0: were working as a working musician. You were playing in front of thousands and thousands of people. What led you to transition to becoming a life coach? So
1: there was a point in my music career where I kind of had that thought, like, why am I doing this? It was what everybody talks about, the big why. Um, I don't know if you guys um, know about Simon Sinek, that book of Finding Your Why or that conversation, but in – Um, A lot of the conversations, in order to continue to do the thing you think you want to do, you have to know why you're doing it. So I was kind of like, I don't really know why I'm doing this. Like I was having fun, but I also knew that there was something that was um, deeper for me and something that I wanted that was more than just playing music. I always loved music, but music itself was not the thing that motivated me. It was, um, and I came. I understood this like about halfway through my career in music, I had this light bulb moment where I was really thinking about the things that inspired me the most about being a musician. And what I came to, I loved when women and girls would come up to me after the show and be inspired by seeing another woman live her dream at that time, that was my dream, you know, to, and it was a lot of the dreams of the people in the audience. I wish I could do that. You know, I wish I could be a rock star or be a rock star in my own life, whatever version of that is. And they saw that as something that inspired them. And they would come up to me and they would ask me, you know, how do you do that? How do you have the confidence to get up there? And how did you learn how to play guitar? And, um, and it became my favorite part of being in the band was after the show when these, when these girls would come up to me and we would just have conversations, and I I'd never really realized that the things that I was doing that was just kind of what I was doing in my life were also a source of inspiration for someone else. And so at that time, I created a website where I just like, you know, I gave tips on confidence and I um, talked about different gear, different, you know, amps and different pedals, different guitars and stuff like that, that they could check out. And I even did like makeup, you know, what makeup am I doing and how do I make my hair look like this? And (laughs) it was just a really fun um, way to, to communicate with people. And I realized that that was actually the source of more of my joy than the actual music industry itself. And so when um, my band was kind of starting to wind down, there were a lot of changes going on inside the band. And I'm like, what am I gonna do? You know, I didn't—I had never heard of life coaching before. All I—the only helping profession I'd ever heard of was therapy, and that wasn't exactly the style that I was excited about. Um, and one of my friends in the music industry said, you know, I think you should be a life coach. I—I've had one for ten years, and he's really changed my life. And I think you'd be really, really good at it. And so I googled this thing called life coaching and followed all the breadcrumbs all the way to my coaching school and and then that was pretty much that that's amazing and so
0: in the past few years you've worked from the beach in costa rica you've traveled across the country in an rv and then you moved to Man- montana even though you didn't know anyone there so how do you decide what your next adventure is going to be what does that process look like for you
1: Um, it usually is like, it's kind of a long process. It's like a, it happens slowly and then it happens quickly. So it'll be like just a thought. It'll be a thought where I'm like, you know, it'd be really cool to kind of like what I was talking about when after college, you know, it'd be really cool to be in a band or it'd be really cool to be a bartender or something. So it starts with just an idea. And then I just gather data for a while. Um, I'm kind of a, a slow like decider, you know, when I I have a lot of ideas all the time, my mind is very, very active and I get excited a lot. Um, And so I kind of keep all these ideas going in my head for a while. And then at some point, one of them sticks out or one of them um, becomes louder or one of them is like, that's the one to follow now. So when that happens, I just, I just decide that, okay, well, I guess, you know, I guess. RVing sounds fun. Let me see who has an RV I might be able to borrow or buy, or, you know, okay, Costa Rica, who knows, who knows where, who out of my friends or family have stayed there? What, what kind of resources can I get? So once I kind of make that decision and the, the one that becomes a little more loud, um, starts to show up, then I just follow the leads. I follow everything that, um, I follow everything I can to, 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 Just point me in the direction of that. And then there's usually a point at which it's a no brainer. So it kind of unfolds into this. So first it's kind of this nebulous idea. Then it becomes a little more clear. Then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do some research. And then it's like, I'm doing this. And then I buy the ticket or I get the RV or I plan the trip and I just go.
0: And hearing the word wild heart, people might think that you need to go on the kind of epic adventures and lifestyle transformations that you have in order to be a wild heart. And obviously that could seem overwhelming, but I know you said so um, eloquently at the beginning of the show that it's really all about people going after their own personal dreams, whatever that looks like, and not getting caught up in someone else's wild heart life. I'm wondering if you could share three small things people could try this week to start tapping into their wild heart spirit and living from that place of authenticity.
1: I love this. You said it so eloquently, and I love this question. So you're absolutely right. A wild heart life is not a life of adventure and travel and wildness and jumping off bridges and out of airplanes, unless that is your vision of what you want your life to be like. A wild heart life is one in which you are doing things that feel fulfilling to you and are in alignment with your values right now. And I say right now because that changes. So like for me, traveling in an RV was my wild heart life at that time. Right now, my life looks very different. So three things I think that people can do to start practicing that is number one, think of something that you've been wanting to do. Whether it's like, you know, oh, I've always wondered what um, taking an illustration class would be like, or I've always wondered, for me, I'm like, you know, shooting skeet or something, like that's what I like to do. Or maybe it's a dance class. Um, Think of something that's exciting to you. It doesn't have to be a huge deal. Maybe it's even checking out the local coffee shop um, that you've never been to that's right around your house. Just think of one thing that you've been wanting to do that you haven't done yet and just put it in the calendar. And I say, put it in the calendar as in write it in there like with your pencil (laughs) and put it on a time and actually do it. Um, These things can just take little changes. Like I said, if you just go right instead of left one day, you just don't know what's going to happen. But if you do enough going right and go instead of left, or if you do enough following the things that are exciting to you, you now have a life of things that are exciting to you. So today, this week, just pick one. Um, another thing is you can do an evaluation of your life and see where are the areas in your life right now that aren't feeling fulfilled, aren't feeling fulfilling and good. So sometimes it could be maybe your relationship isn't really in alignment with your values, or maybe your job is feeling kind of stuck and just be aware. So be aware of the areas of your life that aren't feeling great. Um, A lot of times I hear this a lot with clients is their, their friend group doesn't feel as inspiring or motivating or uplifting as they would want it to. Um, And that's something that, that you can change. You know, you can find different groups of people to hang out with, or you can nurture the relationships you already have. But if you don't know, where in your life you're not feeling fulfilled, then it's hard to go get the things that you are, um, that you are wanting to be fulfilling to you. Um, let's see one other thing. Let me think about it. Um, nature. (laughs) So for me, and this isn't going to be the same for everyone, but I know for me, Getting outside really, really helps me to get clear on my life. So it's so easy to be in our phones, be on Instagram, be on podcasts, Facebook, whatever it is. Um, And when we are filling our brains with all this information all the time, we're not actually allowing new messages to, to show up and new things to come in that might want to be in our lives. So taking some time and space for yourself that is outside of the box Um, The box being your phone and the computer um, is a really awesome way to start just listening to your thoughts and listening to yourself and getting you more in communication with your intuition so that you can know what is fulfilling, that you can see what isn't fulfilling, and you can start to make choices from that place.
0: Yeah, and so once people start kind of tapping into the place of dreaming and desires, I think it's natural that they might start uh, running into some fears and into the voice of their inner critic, so to speak. And I'm wondering, what is the most common fear that you hear from your clients once they start going after their dreams and how do you recommend that they work through it?
1: It's a variation fear. So it's it's, it's some variation of, I'm not good enough. It's not going to happen for me. I can't do it. Or... Um, what are people going to think? If I do. So my best, let's see, the best way I can describe to start to work through these fears is to first get to know them. So a lot of times when I hear people talk about fears, they talk about crushing fear or kicking fear in the face or stomping on your fear. I don't take that approach with fear. I think fear is a um, healthy emotion. It's something that shows up for us and it's shown up for us our whole lives in order to protect us. The only thing is, is that fear doesn't know we're not five years old anymore and that we don't need to be protected in the same way that we used to. So I think that the best way to handle fear is to know yourself and to know that those voices are fear and not truth. And the only way we get to know that is by, is by forming a relationship with your fear where you're like, oh, okay, I see that you just showed up. Okay, what are you saying? know, you can kind of have a conversation about it. Like, oh, you're saying my friends and family aren't going to like what I do. Okay, I get that that's fear, but it still feels really scary. And then you could say, okay, well, all right, it feels scary. That's okay, what feels scary? And then it's like, well, what if they don't like me anymore? And then you kind of just, you have a conversation with, your emotion and with your fear so that it actually doesn't have so much of a hold on you. Cause you're like, Oh, this is just me worrying about what my mom's going to think or my dad's going to think. And from that place, you can consciously make a choice. You're like, all right, I get that this is just fear instead of the fear being like, this is truth because the problem with fear is that it shows up as truth. It says your mom will disown you if you do this thing. Well, that's not actually true. It's just a thought. It's a fear. You don't really know what's gonna happen. So if you become aware of your thoughts and your feelings and what's happening for you, then it's a lot easier to move through your fear than to just try to ignore it, push it aside, stomp on it or whatever, because fears are just gonna they're emotions and what emotions is they show up and they want to be seen and then they want to move through you. But if you resist them, if you stomp on them or say go away or whatever, they just come back and they come back stronger. So the quicker you are able to um recognize that these are just fears and have a kind of conscious thought process about it, um, the, the easier it's gonna to be to move through it.
0: That's really great advice. And yeah, I actually find that if I can start identifying those fears and naming them and writing them down it kind of allows me to recognize them like you say when they come up and I can say oh that's that one again rather than
1: getting upset like pulled into that obsessive thinking about it totally they can suck you in but if you're like oh okay there's that familiar voice again I hear you okay what choice am I going to make anyway? You know, it's very different than, oh my God, everyone's going to think I'm crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're just kind of like looking it in the eye and pressing the abort button rather than going into that whole tailspin. Totally. Okay, so switching gears a little bit, I'd love to hear about a typical day in your life if you have one. Um, Do you have any rituals or routines that you use every
1: single day? I do. It's like my day's, usually start and end pretty much the same and in the middle it's a total crap shoot so um I always like to wake up about two hours before I have to actually do anything <laughs> so I will wake up um usually around six thirty or 7 and I take my time and I journal and I just write out whatever's on my mind um until I don't have anything on my mind anymore And then I like to do, um, 20 minutes of meditation. And to me, meditation could be whatever you want it to be. Like people have all these crazy ideas of that. It has to be sitting in Lotus pose and it has to be clearing your mind or whatever. To me, to me, it looks different. Sometimes I'll do like a Kundalini, um, mantra meditation where I'll do some singing or chanting Sometimes I'll sit there and try to connect to my, like I'll literally call in my guides and I'll be like, okay, like I need a message from you guys. Sometimes I'll focus on my breath and try really, I was just going to say, try really hard to be, (laughs) um, (laughs) I will focus on, on breathing and um, just noticing my thoughts go by, which is really challenging for me. Um, But I, I like to do that every day. And then I just have a breakfast routine, so I'll, you know, make my breakfast and my tea, and I'll sit there quietly and eat it, and then I'll get my day started. Um, I find that the days I don't do that uh, always feel a little more chaotic and less connected for me. So, and then the middle of the day is tons of computer time, um, broken up with. I go, um, I go to the gym and or um, go outside for walks or runs or hiking or something every day. So I like to make sure I exercise every day. It makes my body feel amazing. Um, And it doesn't always have to be a big deal. It can just be like, you know, my favorite walk around my neighborhood or some yoga or some stretching or um, working out with a trainer at the gym or just my own self at the gym. But I like to make sure to get exercise in. It's a super important part of my day. Um, and then a lot of my day is also centered around healthy eating. So I eat, since I exercise a lot, I tend to eat like five or six smaller meals. So, so I anchor my days around like making sure I'm always feeling full and, um, like alert in that way and making sure my body is nourished. And then I do more computer work. And then at the end of the day, I like to read or, um, have some quiet time that is not, um, right on my phone. So I don't like to be on my phone in my bed. I just don't do it. Um, but I'll read or I'll watch Netflix or I'll do something and then I'll get in bed and zonk out.
0: I love what you said about meditation, not having to look a certain way and, you know, not necessarily even feel a certain way. So I'm wondering how did you get started with your meditation practice and do you have, any advice for someone who's maybe
1: just starting yes. to dabble with it? <laughs> I struggled, girl. So I still struggle, um, and it's been years. So I had been in the personal development world that I'm in. Of course, I've heard a million times that meditation is good for me. Everybody would say it in the beginning, and I'd be like, that is the most boring thing on the planet. And I try to sit there, <laughs> and I don't even know what I'm doing, and I think a million things i'm so like anxious and i my thought like get rid of my thoughts yeah right like how is that possible right this is what i thought meditation had to be like i also thought you had to sit cross-legged for 20 to 40 minutes to an hour or whatever and i was like there's no way that's gonna happen either and i got really discouraged in the beginning because i thought it had to be a certain way in order for it to be quote-unquote meditation um uh I had a coach once who challenged me to just do five minutes a day. And I was like, fine, I can try five, five minutes for seven days in a row. And that was still challenging for me too, but I did it. And so what I find for myself is I, I work really well when I have little goals, not huge ones, but little ones. So maybe it's like, I'm going to do this for a week or I'm going to do that for 10 days or something. And I keep track of it. Um, the others oh my gosh the rain outside just is so loud i don't know if you could hear it i have like a tin roof um the other thing that that really helped me was realizing that the point of meditation is not to get rid of your thoughts it's not to not have any thoughts a lot of times people sit there and they think they failed at meditation because they thought about something the whole time and to me that's not the point to me the point is just to notice and be aware when your thoughts are getting all crazy and chaotic and you're just like, oh my gosh, I just noticed I've been thinking about a lot of things. And you just notice that and that's that's it. You just say, okay, I noticed that. I'm going to focus again on breathing. Um, and then your mind is going to wander again and you say, okay, it wandered again. And then you just say, okay, I'm going to focus on breathing. And you might only get one breath before you, you go back to the thought but that's okay. Like it's the point is to just, is to have some discipline and to practice doing this thing so that it can spill over into your life. If you can sit there for five minutes or 20 minutes or 10 minutes and just say, I'm noticing this is happening. Okay. I'm noticing this is happening. Then in your life, you're like, I'm noticing different things. I'm noticing that You know, I'm feeling a certain way or I'm noticing this. And the noticing is the point, not the clearing of the mind, because there's nobody that has a clear mind, not even probably the best Zen master on the planet. You know, we all have thoughts and that's okay. But I what I what I think happens for a lot of us is we feel like failures. So we don't do it anymore because it's like I can't meditate because I'm not good at it good at it means i think good at it means if you do it you're good at it if you if you set the alarm for 5 minutes you're good at it <laughs> um so for a beginner what i would suggest is just try different things for me chanting mantra meditation really helped me when i'm like feeling like i'm the failure who can't stop thinking um because it's it's a, it's a focused thing to anchor around it's a mantra some people like guided meditation. Some people like um, just laying down. I do a lot of my meditations laying down because sitting like that is really uncomfortable for me. And I'm like, who cares? That's the way I meditate. So <laughs> um, I would say make it your own. And also just just think about why you want to do it. So if you're only doing it because um, – you know, some guru that you follow does it, then it probably won't last. And it's the same thing we talked about in the beginning of the call, which is you have to know why you're doing things and they have to be for you. You have to do them for reasons that really resonate with you. Because if my teacher says to do it, but I don't actually have a why behind that, like why I want to do it for myself, then I'm going to probably fall off the wagon and just be like, well, this sucks. This is so boring. Like, I don't want to do it. But if I am like, I'm doing this to be a better person, to be a more calm person, to know my, myself better, to, um, to have awareness of my life. You know, those goals to me are important enough for me to get on, you know, on my mat every day.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a good point that it's not something you can be bad at. It's just something you need to show up for. And that whole idea of noticing your thoughts really seems to relate well to what you are talking about earlier when it comes to kind of working through those fears, the meditation practice and that ability to kind of notice your thoughts and not necessarily get attached to them, um, but also not beat yourself up for having them will really that's right. strengthen that skill.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the same mechanism that I use with the emotions. It's what is here now, what am I noticing, what am I feeling? And um that is to me that's meditation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so this is on a totally different track, but you own a motorcycle and that seems really badass. So how did you get into that?
1: <laughs> um, I do. I own two actually and uh it's you know, oh, I love my motorcycle. So glad you asked me about that. <laughs> People don't usually ask me about that. Um Okay, so it was another one of those things that had been in my mind, like maybe even since high school. Like I'm like, motorcycles are so cool. They look so cool. And every time I would see someone on a motorcycle, I'm like, they're so cool. And it just looked like a ton of fun. And I I was always really drawn to it, drawn to the imagery, drawn to the idea, drawn to uh, the imagined feeling of what it must be like to be on a bike and be um, out with the wind in your hair, like the literal wind in your hair. Um, but my family was very anti, like could not be more anti-motorcycle and nobody I knew rode motorcycles. I didn't have any friends, you know, nobody to kind of bring me along in the motorcycle world. So it just never happened for a really, really long time. And it was actually when I was on, um, in the, the RV on the RV trip that I was like, I would really love to do like an, motorcycle trip like a cross-country motorcycle trip that would just be so awesome and I was kind of in that mode where I was just taking a lot of adventures and risks you know I'm like getting a motorhome sure go to Costa Rica sure you know um so when I got back from my first RV trip I signed up for the safety class for a motorcycle safety class and I took it and I loved it loved 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 it but at the time I was still traveling we had another RV trip planned and I'd wasn't sure where I was living. I, all my stuff was at the storage. And so I didn't buy a motorcycle. So I didn't, um, so I didn't practice and I didn't ride. So it was about a year or two, I think before, um, I moved somewhere (laughs) where I had a home where I can like keep vehicles and, um, nurture that is when I moved to Montana. And so I decided I wanted to buy a bike, and especially in such beautiful um, scenery that Montana is, I just thought it was a perfect time. So I took another safety class just to brush up on my skills because I think that you know, riding motorcycles can be very dangerous, so the best that we can do as riders is be as skilled as we can, get as much training as we can, practice as much as we can. Um, So I took another safety class, I got my license, and then I bought a bike. I just... I just, and then I met I met some random people that they said they rode. They were friends of friends, and I was like, "Will you like come with me to see this bike? Because I don't know anything about bikes, and I didn't know this person barely at all." But I, you know, it was something. It was back to the three C's. I made a choice. I want a motorcycle. I committed. I'm going to find one for myself, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this motorcycle. If that means inviting some random person I don't even know to come with me to help me buy a motorcycle because I don't know anything about them. Um, and that's how my experience has been. I had to, you know, everywhere I went, I was reaching out to people like, Hey, Oh, do you ride? You know, can, can I ride with you? Can, can you help me or show me how to do this? So I really had to build up my own experience with writing. I wrote alone a lot, but I also started to make friends, um, and reach out and ask for help. And so You know, some of my first riding experiences were with people who I didn't know that well, but who would take me on their rides with them. And I felt more comfortable not just being totally alone. So it's been really an amazing experience.
0: I think it's so exciting that, you know, it was such a kind of male dominated sport or hobby, and that there are now so many women who are building these communities like Babes Ride Out in California and all of these other group rides. It's really exciting to see.
1: It is exciting and it's fun. So it's it's fun.
0: What have you learned about yourself, if anything, from riding and getting into having your motorcycles?
1: Um, a lot, actually. There, I I think that my motorcycle has been one of my biggest spiritual teachers, if I can even say that without totally laughing. I love that. Um, uh, but there's some very tangible, practical things being on a bike teaches you. So you have to be very aware of yourself and aware of other people and aware of your surroundings. When you're on a bike, you can't be text messaging. You can't zone out. You can't be like upset or, you know, you can't be in a rage or thinking about a lot of things when you're on a bike. It's life or death. So you need to be thinking Where's that car? Where's that car going to go? Where am I? Who's behind me? Who's in front of me? What's that light doing? What's that light ahead going to do? Where's the bend in the road? So it teaches you, it teaches me um, presence. And I mean, talk about meditation where, you know, you need to be where you're at instead of all these other places in your mind and with your thoughts. Um, Being on my bike is one of the only places where that is really true for me, where I don't have all those thoughts in my mind because I'm like, you know what, That is not what I'm worried dealing with right now. What I'm dealing with right now is making sure I stay safe on this bike. Um, Another thing it really taught me, and a couple things in my life have taught me this, is I tend to be very attracted to things that uh, that girls don't that 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 girls in the norm don't do. Like it's not you know um, motorcycles or guns. Um, I love shooting. I love skeet shooting or trap shooting. Um, Even motorhomes, things like that. I tend to just naturally be attracted to things like that. But the thing is, is that these are not built into my structure in my life. My family didn't do it. Nobody taught me how to do any of this stuff. So what it's taught me is to really just to commit to what it is I want and to make it happen. And it's uncomfortable walking into a, you know, gun, you know, gun range or walking into a motorcycle club where you're the only girl there where people assume you're an idiot probably because you're a girl, you know. Um, even music was the same way, like guitar shops are the same way. And what it it taught me is that if you want something bad enough, you just have to make it happen. And you have to be, you have to have that courage to go in there and say, I don't know about this, but can you help me? Um, I really want to learn. And to kind of put some of that ego part aside, the ego that wants to be perfect and the ego that wants to be amazing and have everybody like her and all that, you know, you have to sort of put that aside a little bit and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? <laughs> um, and, you know, when I think when I think of it like that and just hearing you talk, I'm like, I'm proud. I'm proud that I learned how to ride a motorcycle when nobody around me helped me, you know, or when I had to be the source of all of that and I did it. And it just shows you that you can do that with anything, business or life or hobbies you know it's like well I don't, I don't know anybody well you know what I didn't either and I, I go by myself to so many places I go dancing by myself I shoot by myself I go writing by myself and um, and you can do it you just have to want it bad enough that's beautiful I love that you
0: were able to find all of those lessons in something that you know maybe doesn't right off the bat seem like it would have anything to teach you Totally. Those are my favorite kind of lessons. Absolutely. And they're everywhere if we start looking for them. Mm -hmm. So there are so many things that you teach people and are helping people to implement. What are you working on learning or implementing these days when it comes to your own personal development?
1: Oh, what a great question. Um, So for me, I'm really, really getting, oh, I saw a quote actually. It's on my computer right now and it's, um, it is exactly what you're asking me. So the idea that life is not a given. (laughs) So what I mean by that is it just occurred to me, not that long ago, that things don't have to be the way I thought they had to be. And I know this sounds like, well, duh. But for example, like, um, you know, let's say you grew up in a family who always said, work hard and then you die, you know, or, well, you better have a stable job because stability, et cetera, et cetera, or whatever these messages are, um, our patterns of, and learning of the, of the way to be in the world are really, really, really strong. And we tend to, again, think of these things as truth. And what I've been working on is really like changing my mindset to be like, okay, it's not a given that Yes, I'm going to get older, but it's not a given that my body has to fall apart or it's not a given that, you know, I have to have weak joints or bone. that, you know, oh, well, you just gain weight when you, you know, get older or your brain loses function when you get older. Like, I know that some of those things are biology, but I don't think it's a given that we have to um, – you know, live these ways that we maybe see in the world. There's this woman who really inspires me, who kind of kicked off this thought process for me. Her name is Phyllis Suez. She's 97 or something. And in the past year, she recorded an album. She competed in tango. She does trapeze. She um, skydives. um, She plays tennis. She does yoga, like arm balances and stuff better than I do. And it's really inspiring to me. And the idea is that we don't have to just assume that things are going to be the way that they are just because that's the way that we've seen them be. So this quote that I've been um, looking at today was, at any given moment, you have the power to say this is not how the story is going to end. Um, It's not a given that you have to be unhappy or it's not a given that you have to um, let your past dictate your future so that's what I've been working on is 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 if things aren't a given then what do I want it to be like and how (laughs) would you say
0: that's changing your behavior and choices
1: well it's making me um it's making me less lazy really in all ways so it's to me and I'm and this is just how I frame it for my own mind it's sometimes it's so much easier to just be the person that you've always been. That's like, well, that person, you know, said something shitty to me, so I don't like them. And that's what I do because when you, you know, when you cross me, it's over. Right. Like if that's the person you've always been, what I'm, what I what's changing for me now, so I question all of that more. I'm like, wait a second. Like, why do I feel that way? Or did they actually even cross me or <laughs> like, um, you know, makes me evaluate my entire life and it makes my choices really different. It's like, okay, I'm not going to be that person anymore. Whatever type of person I decide I don't want to be like anymore. And that means I have to make different choices. I have to listen when I want to yell. I have to, um, I have to ask questions when I want to say things, you know, it's a very different approach or even like, okay, if I want, if I want to be Phyllis Suez when I'm 97, what do I need to do for my health now? And that makes my choices really different too. Like that's part of my routine of exercise and meditation and those things. It's kind of setting myself up because I want to be that. I want to be like doing dance competitions when I'm in my nineties. Yes. I feel like we all need, what
0: would Phyllis Suez do bracelets? I know. I know.
1: And she she has this awesome video, and um, I'll share it with you. But she's basically jump roping, this 90-year-old woman who, you know, my grandma's 90, and she she can hardly walk to her dinner, you know. But this lady is in a video jump roping and talking to the video at the same time saying, you know, this is the best age in the world, and, you know, you don't have to – fall apart and you don't have to get old you know you don't have to do these things you can have a beautiful life into your 90s and it it's really inspiring and I actually do do the like okay what would Phyllis do or I used to do this with Gwen Stefani and I'm like what would Gwen Stefani do when I was in a band I'm like what would she do (laughs) so
0: I know you're currently in a building phase with your business and that there's a lot going on behind the scenes are you able to share any little teasers of what you're working on these days
1: well, so um, basically, the things that I get really excited about um, are these conversations that we're having today. It's kind of these deeper conversations of what does it look like to create, really, truly create the life that you want to create. So I am working behind the scenes. Things are shifting around a bit in Wildheart, and I can't really say the specifics of what I'm working on right now, but I will say that it's. Um, it is going to come back with a lot of heart and a lot of the types of things we were talking about today, um, including this technique I've been developing that actually speaks to what we were talking about before with evaluating your emotions and your fears when they show up. It's a system that I can take you through that helps you to move through it in a very systematized way. So when you get those feelings of fear or panic or anxiety or worry, that you know exactly what to do so you can examine your thoughts so you can move through and make your decisions from a very conscious place. So that is one of the things I'm super excited about.
0: That's really exciting. We'll all have to keep our eyes peeled for those announcements in the next little while. Yeah, thank you. So one of the things I like to ask uh, every guest is, what's one thing that you're obsessed with? It could be a song, a food, anything that you're obsessed with that we could also try that's making your life better.
1: Oh my God. This is so funny. I am super obsessed right now with essential oils. I love them. I've been using them for emotions. I've been using them for my mood. I've been using them in my food. Um, I drink, I get so excited every day. I drink like tons of water because every time I get a new glass of water, I try putting a different um, essential oil in there like lemon or grapefruit or orange um, and what I found too is it's a really really cool way to play with emotions. So I have one that I like to meditate with um one I like to use when I go to sleep um lavender is really great for relaxation, Citruses are really great for enhancing your moods. Frankincense is amazing for meditation, and it's known to be um deliver an experience of kind of like spirituality so I find when I meditate with my frankincense in my diffuser um, then I am just like rocking and rolling Um, so yeah so essential oils are kind of my jam right now if anybody has any questions about that I love talking about it I'm like super obsessed
0: (laughs) I'm obsessed with them as well and I haven't tried having frankincense yet so I think I might order that one next and I love it because when I want a little like payday treat or pick me up it's such an inexpensive way and I feel like it's a health and wellness promoting thing, so I never feel bad about indulging and buying a few more.
1: Well, it is, and it's so interesting because you know all of our senses matter in our emotions and our mood, and I think that I never really thought that much about it until I've been getting into essential oils, where I'm like, wow, this stuff actually does work. Like, I'm a, I'm not an early adopter. I'm kind of a skeptic when it comes to new things. At first, I'm like, I don't know about this, and then if it rocks my so oils have been like super rocking my world i just and i i've been making my own products too so i make like bath gel and hand soap and um floor cleaner and all kinds of stuff
0: yeah even like just carrying a couple in my purse sometimes that are a bit uplifting so if i know that i've kind of got a mundane day or i'm feeling like i'm in a bit of a funk just having a whiff of them throughout the day i find so powerful Yep, me too. Do you have a favorite company to, bu- to buy your essential oils from?
1: Yeah, I've been using doTERRA, and I love them.
0: Amazing. Okay, so as we wrap up, where can we find you online?
1: You can find me at sallyhope.com. That is the hub of everything. I spend a lot of time on Facebook, which is um, just facebook.com slash Hope says. And I'm all over social media, so just drop me a line. Say hello. If there's anything in this interview that resonated with you or you have any questions on or you'd like to know more about, don't hesitate to reach out, and I mean that. I love um, talking about this kind of stuff and appreciate being here. So um, if you have any questions, definitely go ahead and find me. And I'll put all of those links to your social
0: media in the show notes as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, Sally. This has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You ask really fun questions. Oh, thank you. I love how Sally really walks her talk. She's truly creating the life she desires each and every day and honoring it as that vision changes over time. I hope this conversation offered you some insights for tapping into your own wild heart spirit, whatever that looks like for you. You can find the show notes for this episode at sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 13. Tickets for the Punk Rock Urban Retreat in London on 21st November are now 50% sold out. This is going to be a really powerful day of wild movement, deep connections, sacred stillness and personal growth as we shake off what's been holding us back and make space for our desires. And there will be some pretty special goodies for coming along. If you'd like to get all of the details, visit Sarah Stars. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. If you've enjoyed it, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. You can write anything you want in the review section, so why not let me know what you're obsessed with right now or who you'd like me to interview next. This support will really help me to make exciting things happen with this podcast, and I'd appreciate it so much. Next week, I'm interviewing Megan Watterson, author of Reveal, A sacred manual for getting spiritually naked, and co-author of how to love yourself and sometimes other people. Megan is a spiritual misfit and a scholar of the divine feminine. But if you're not a religious person, don't let that put you off. Megan talks about spirituality in a way that I've never encountered before, and she offers soulful yet practical advice for loving yourself and connecting with the truth of who you are. Until then, Do something to get your shit together and create a life you love.